0: So great to be
1: with you, church. I am I'm wearing a springbok jersey deep in my soul. Can you see it? It it's, should be shining out somewhere. Because we are God's favored nation. Do you know that? There are few of them, like maybe all of them, but we are one of them. We are one of them. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your, your grace is sufficient. Holy Spirit, as we continue through the book of Acts, I pray, Lord God, that you would come and you would do miracles in our hearts. Lord God, there are veils that stand between us and you. Lord God, would you come and remove those? Holy Spirit, as I teach today, would you would you reveal your heart to me as I reveal it to others, Lord God? Would, would it be for all of us, that we see you more clearly, understand you more exactly, are more able to live in the victory that Christ has already won for us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we celebrate all the great things you are doing in our midst, and we say, Lord God, come and do it again. Come and do it again. Come and do it again. Amen and amen. God bless you all. So last week, we prayed for a few people. Do you remember that? And we prayed f- particularly for people who are battling with joints or problems with their bones, etc. cetera. And um, a lady called Emma, she had a problem in her jaw. I'm sure there were many more people healed. This is just the one person who came and spoke to me. She had a problem in her jaw that every time she opened her jaw, well not I don't know if it was every time, but a significant amount of the time, it would dislocate and there would be a lot of pain in her jaw. And she said, as we prayed, she felt the pain leave, and her jaw has been perfect ever since. Isn't that amazing? God is so faithful. In addition, um, Pastor, Pastor Sammy, many of you know her. I think you all know her. She she broke her arm some time back, and there's some some um, issues, medical issues with her arm, and so the the bone has is, is challenged to heal. Should I put it that way? And so she has to, that's why she's not around at the moment. She can't bump that arm. It's, it's like a very precarious situation as it heals. And um, I felt like we were supposed to pray for her today. Just because, you know, we've seen God healing bones. So her bones in trouble, let's pray and believe for something magnificent in her. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you wouldn't mind. She lives east of here, and I think that's that way. So let's just all extend our hands that way. Is the east that way? It doesn't matter. Oh, that way. They're saying that way. Okay, let's go that way. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, wherever Sam is, would you come and meet her? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would flood her with your presence. Holy Spirit, first of all, I speak to her heart and I say, Be whole. Hear the truth. Feel the presence and the glory of your God. And then I speak to her arm, and I say, receive the healing power of your creator. Lord God, we ask that you would speak to that bone right now. We echo your words, and we say, be healed. By the stripes of Jesus, be healed, be healed, be healed. healed." We speak to that bone, and we say, knit together in Jesus' name. Knit together in Jesus' name. Knit together in Jesus' name. Lord God, we prophesy over that arm and we say, stronger and better than ever, in Jesus' name. Stronger and better than ever, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. So how does God change the world? I know how he wants to change the world. I mean, I... I don't know how he wants to change the world. That's what we're going to explore today. I know how I want him to change the world. I have this picture of Jesus riding in on this magnificent stallion, sword in hand. Light blazing from him. Moving into my life and just destroying everything that I don't like. Just getting rid of it and making me happy. I mean, this... When I say, Lord, change the world, sometimes that's what I mean. Lord, ride in in power in my life. Get rid of all the things I don't like. And make me happy. You know what? He hasn't done that very often for me. Has he done it for you? (laughs) There was one time in history that he came close I mean, his death and resurrection, that was, he rode in on a stallion on that one, maybe in a donkey, but I mean, he, he did the deed. You know what I'm saying? He did the deed. But there was another time in history where, where there was this remarkable change in history. And that was like around 300 AD. At that time, there was a Roman emperor who was trying to bring order back to the Roman Empire, And he thought part of the problem that the empire is declining is because these stupid Christians won't worship our gods. And so part of him putting things back together was to bring the most horrendous persecutions to the church. The most, I mean, the worst of the worst. When you hear those horrific things, those tortures, those fed to the lions, burned at the stake, just the horrific, horrific things that happened to the Christians, it was under Diocletian who was doing this. Little did he know that you can't stop the kingdom of God. And at the same time, Christianity was growing at such an incredible rate. By that time, it was 10% of the Roman Empire. That's 6 million people. And it started 300 years earlier with only 120. I mean, it was exploding all over the place. The more he tried to keep it back, the more it grew. Whispers of Christ's victory was being spoken in every wealthy home, in every poor home. It was just like, it was just like a, a, a smoke that was like permeating everything. An incense, let me rather say. It was just going everywhere. And into this comes a man who's hearing the whispers, but he's still very much Roman and pagan in his worship. And he, in a very selfish way, decides he wants to rule the empire, actually. And so he begins taking over. There were four sections. He began taking them over one by one. When he was on the second section of the Roman Empire, he was camped outside Rome with his army. His name was Constantine. And while he was camped outside Rome waiting for the other army to come out of the city to engage in battle, he has a dream. And in this dream, all the whispers that have been spoken all over, the the hints that he's heard here and there, come roaring up in a dream in which God speaks to him. And in this dream, he sees the sign of the cross, And he hears these words, in this sign, conquer. He goes into battle the next day and wins. And then he he finishes and takes over the whole empire, becomes supreme ruler over all of the Roman Empire. And at the same time, he says, on October the 28th, 312, A.D., I met Jesus. I converted to Christianity. At that moment, all persecution in the empire stopped. He wasn't a perfect king, but what he did do was he stopped the floodgates of hate against the church. And he opened the doors for ever-increasing influence within the empire and beyond for the church. An amazing and incredible victory. He was so convinced that Christianity was true that he took this sign, which is the first two letters of Christ in Greek. I know it's like, how does that spell Christ? Believe it or not, that is C-R, Cairo, Christ. And he put it on the, I mean, very, very, it's like the, third or fourth most common symbol in Christianity today. He put it on the, the shields and the uniforms of his armies. He put it on the official insignia of all of the Roman Empire. He wanted the world to know that he loved Jesus, or more importantly, that Jesus had loved him. This cataclysmic change in history that just happened in an instant like that. I mean, wouldn't we love that to be our portion time and time again? I mean, you can think of some people that you would, you would love God to just visit, change, and transform. You can think of them, and I hope you're praying for them. I mean, you could also think of some battles that you would like like some Christian leader to ride in on a horse and just destroy all the opposition. But you see, that that giant victory... Didn't actually happen on that day, although for Constantine it happened on that day. In essence, it had happened nearly 300 years earlier. The seeds had been planted into the empire, into the Roman empire, and they had been planted by people that those Romans never even knew, whose names were forgotten. They were not forgotten by Jesus. And when Jesus came and did that giant victory, it was was they who stood as that giant witness behind him saying, yes, this is our victory because we were faithful. We're going to read about that today. It starts in Acts 10. We have three players in this particular story. I'm going to go through them. But we start in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. A centurion, not an emperor, a centurion. Maximum, he probably had 80 men under him. I know centurion seems like centenary, 100, but somehow the Romans only put 80 people under a centurion. Ah, go figure. But he was a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come to him, come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? Quick, quick um, side note. I have people come and tell me all the time that they're seeing angels. When you see an angel, your response is terror. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you're not, like, knocking at the knees, please don't come come and tell me you saw an angel. Just come and say, I think there's an angel there. Is that okay? Is that okay? So... He clearly saw in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him Cornelius and he stared at him in terror and said what is it Lord and he said to him your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God can you see God just watching this man look how he gives he's telling uh, the beings to his right and left look how he prays I mean all his attention is on this man and this man is not even Jewish. And now send, the angel says, to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to to them, he sent them to Joppa. Let's talk about Cornelius and the angel. Cornelius wasn't trying to change the world. He was just trying to be faithful. He he actually had heard about Judaism. He didn't really know about Jesus. He'd heard about Judaism, and when it says he was God-fearing, it literally means that he was was aligning himself with Judaism, but he hadn't fully converted. So he he feared God, but he wasn't going all the way. He was just, I, I acknowledge God. So, so in that, as he's learning and growing and knowing about God, he's being faithful what he, with what he knows and with what he can do. He's just, he's just digging into his everyday life and being the best Cornelius he knows how to do. Into this world steps the king of kings. And he says, this is the vessel I will use. Remember 300 years later, Constantine. Well, if Constantine could meet Cornelius, when Constantine got to heaven, he must have gone up to this man and said, thank you. Because this, this was the first Roman to actually acknowledge the living God. I mean, there must have been others, but this was the first one we know about. You see, actually God changes history through ordinary people far more than we imagine. We see these big spe- spectacular displays every now and then in history. But, but mainly when God wants to change something, he finds a person like you and me. Amen. Amen. And you know what? We don't even know we are changing history. All we know is that we are trying to follow the things he's telling us. But you see, he sees the big picture, and he's like this giant um, conductor of an orchestra. You know, he's he's saying to you, would you please play the violin lines now? And as you do it, he's weaving it in with all of the things that other people are doing, and he's creating a giant expression of his goodness in the world. So the times that you simply open your Bible and read it because it's the right thing to do, you're changing the world. You're sitting in God's plan and allowing him to make use of you. When you're kind to your neighbor, when you tell your friend about what God has done in your life, when you do your work well, when you pray for the people around you, you are sitting in the very center of God's plan and you're allowing him to use you to change the world. Will you know all that God has done through you? No. There will come a time when you will sit with him in eternity, and I'm telling you, he will play back the reels. And you will go, oh my word, I thought I was just giving someone 10 rand because I felt they needed it. But heck, look what it did. You, you, will, you will think I was just sharing this with that, that person I passed with in the, the aisle at the shops about the, that God has a good plan for their life. Little did I know that there was going to be used by God to, to change a corporation. You see, Cornelius didn't know, but God knew. I want to talk about the angels for a while. Can I do that? I mean, I already already started. Please do not go out and worship angels after this. Is that okay? But God most certainly has angels. And they, believe it or not, are all around right now. My personal opinion is that those angels were around Cornelius all the time. He just didn't see them. And God, God pushed into Cornelius' life and lifted a veil and said, Here, I see your I see you pressing into my presence. And so let me show you something you don't know. You see, Cornelius came from a culture that didn't really understand the ways of God. That even though he was doing his best, there was significant ignorance in his life. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know how to how to keep the law. I mean, that was going to pass anyway for him. But nonetheless, he didn't he didn't really understand the fullness of what God wanted to do. God had to press into his world, lift a veil, to destroy his ignorance. And you know, this might come a shock to you, as a shock to you. It's not meant to make you feel bad about yourself. Please hear it in the way I mean it is that we are all ignorant. Every single one of us, every single one of us knows less than we need to know about Jesus. Every single one of us knows less than we need to know about God. Now, I'm not saying that you only know a little. You might know a tremendous amount, and I hope you know more today than you did yesterday. But the truth is that all of us need to know more. And like Cornelius, as we go about the faithfulness of our every day, there needs to be a cry in our hearts, Lord, break into my world. Lord, come with angelic forces if necessary, with the Bible if necessary, with sermons if necessary, with the, the words of my friend, break into my world to tell me what I need to know. You know, a constant prayer, I pray, I pray, I can't think of a day in the last, I don't know, six months that I haven't prayed. As Lord, help me to see right. Help me to see right. Many years ago, our children were young. They were all under the age of four. And we were on holiday in East London. And in the room that we were in, staying in, it was like a little suite It had children were in a different room, in connecting rooms. They had these large freestanding wardrobes, old wooden, heavy things, and at the top, beautifully carved kind of decorations in a big decorative kind of arc on the top. And um, they were like the doors were hard and sticky because they were old. They were like antique, beautiful, but but you know, like not very practical. Andrew and I were in another room and the children were in the room where the wardrobe was and suddenly we heard this almighty crash and silence. We ran through there and there was the cupboard fallen on the floor and that big decorative wooden thing on the top broken off, fallen flat away from the wall. And the children, just like at the end of it, staring wide-eyed. So we were like, oh my gosh, I wonder what happened. No one was talking and we couldn't get anything out of them. But we figured we must must at least go and tell reception that, you know, we've broken their cupboard. So Andrew um, walks with David to to reception, our oldest son. He walks with him to reception. David was young at the time, like I said, or maybe about three three or so. He's walking to reception. And David says to Andrew, so where did the big white hand come from? Where did the big white hand come from? So, of course, Andrew starts questioning him. What are you talking about? The bottom line was that Joshua, our youngest, who was only crawling at the time, had crawled up to this cupboard. And there were drawers at the bottom and had, was trying to pull out a drawer and it was sticky. But as he was trying to pull out the drawers, it had pulled the whole cupboard over on top of him. Apparently, as the cupboard was falling, a giant hand, big white hand, nothing else, ca- appeared, held up the cupboard. Joshua crawled out from under the cupboard. The hand let the cupboard go. Crash. Now you know why they weren't talking. <laughs> you know, I. I feel like God's. God's world around us is so much more than we imagine. That God God is constantly intervening in our life in ways we don't know. And sometimes, in order to further history or to just bless you, He removes that veil of ignorance so you can see. So you can see that actually He's been there all along. And for Cornelius, this was a moment as he's just walking along, trying, you know, to do the right thing. This angel appears and directs him on a path that is going to lead him to eternal life. So let's talk about Peter now. So while God is having angels visit Cornelius, he's doing something else with Peter. And Peter, in Joppa, sees the heavens open And something like a great sheet descending, he's up on the roof, he's waiting for lunch, he's hungry. He sees the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Andrew instructed me to tell you at this point, that's why we eat bacon and prawns. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Can you see this magnificent way in which God is now breaking into Peter's world? And you know, Peter's not ignorant. He knows the ways of God. But what Peter is, is prejudiced. You see, Peter has been told, Peter has been told at the Great Commission with all of the believers, go and make disciples of all nations. You see, he's received the instruction, but they kind of like just <laughs> smoozing around Jerusalem. You know, going a little way into Samaria, but those Samaritans, they're, they're kind of Jewish. They're Jewish-ish. And you know, I've never, I've never been into a Gentile home, says Peter. You know, I, I, how, how did he think they were going to make disciples of all nations? I mean, what was he thinking? We'll stand outside their houses and shout. You know, clearly that instruction had gone in one ear and come out the other. And somewhere in between it had got mixed with his cultural prejudice and it came out as something else. Go to, the, go to your people and make them into disciples. Now, I love you so much. But I, 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 first I told you you were ignorant. Are you okay? But you were ignorant in the best way. Now, I, I'm going to tell you that we're all prejudiced. Every single one of us grows up in a kind of culture, in a way of looking at the world. And even though God is saying one thing, when it comes into our brain, it gets mixed up with that stuff and comes out another way. And there's a way in which God wants to, God wants to push into our worlds to bring a revelation of something bigger than the smallness that we've grown up with. And guys, this is, I'm saying lovingly to you and lovingly to me. Every single one of us needs the veil of prejudice lifted. And you know what? I, I, there are all kinds of prejudice, my friends. You pick your own personal one. But, but everyone to some degree looks at someone through a lens Of less than they really are. Whoever that is. Sometimes we're even looking through a lens at ourselves. Of less than we are. And God wants to come and remove that. I mean, he did it spectacularly with Peter. Peter. He he was hungry. I mean, God is so wise. Peter's hungry. It says he was, you know, he's got hungry. He went up into the top of the roof. What does God speak to him? With food. It's just how God is. He knows how to get to the places of your soul. But you see, when he speaks to Peter, he does it in a spectacular way. He has a vision. That's a visual thing, like a sheet coming down, all kinds of creepy crawlies. I mean, it even says there were reptiles there, and he says, kill and eat. I don't know. I'm just like, that sounds gross to me. But nonetheless, this is coming down, and he's seeing it three times, and then he's hearing a voice. But then later, when the the guys come from Cornelius, and they're at the the front door, he hears in in his spirit. It's like, first of all, he hears an audible voice, but then he hears... Like, a, like an internal voice, just like a small, still voice, the kind you could easily miss. And it says, go down and go with them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I love this, that, that God can come and lift veils in our lives with dramatic, incredible, overwhelming experiences, but he can also lift them by a small, still voice. Just like you're walking along and something just drops in your soul. Go speak to that person. You speak to them and you think, heck, I didn't know that about that kind of person. You know, just just a hint to have this person out for coffee. You're like, wow. You know, that, that changed the way I see things completely. You see, God wants to press into our prejudices. And I had some spectacular things to say. But I'm going to, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. God's always speaking. And we're going to skip right by this because you are going to go to hearing God's voice and you're going to hear all of that. The last, the last thing in the particular story is Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius says, tell us the truth. He stands up there, he preaches, and I love this. While Peter was still saying these things, it's like the Spirit says, Peter, enough. You know, thanks with all the talking, but what they really need is me. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, their prejudices also being lifted, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Let's talk about the people and the Spirit. I love... I love, I love that the Holy Spirit just broke into Peter's speech. You know, it indicates something to me that I see time and time again happening in the Bible. Wrong way. I see it in Mark 1 verse 10 when Jesus was being baptized. It literally says... That God tore open heaven. It doesn't say God came and rested on Jesus. I mean, he did. The Holy Spirit came on it. But he says, God tore open heaven and the Spirit came. Those are Mark's exact words. He tore heaven. I mean, that sounds like passion to me. I mean that's when you get a present you really want. You know the ones you're not so keen on, you'd like do the little um sticky tape nicely, you'd like do it, you don't tear the paper, you fold it nicely to keep for later. But you know that present you really want, that gift you really want, it's like ksh, 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 ksh. yes, I got it. It's like it's like God is going, "I I must be with my son." It's like on Jesus. Hope you guys are not in am um, appreciating my sound effects. Am I doing okay? <laughs> then, the other time it happens is in Luke 23, verse 45. After, As Jesus is cruci- being crucified and he's, he says he gives up his spirit. And it says the veil in the temple that separated the place where God's presence rested, the Holy of Holies, it's, there was a veil, a curtain, like inches thick, that was separated that place from the place where the priests and the people could come. And in that instance, it says that that curtain was torn from top to bottom. As I've explained to you how Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, can you see a pattern? It's like at that moment when Jesus made a way for God to be able to be with people. People made a way for us to be reconciled to him. It's like God took that veil, he ripped it from top to bottom, and he said, nothing will ever keep me from my people again. And he came roaring out of that holy of holies. He was actually in a box, the Ark of the Covenant. The way I say it is he came roaring out of that box. You cannot keep God in a box. He came roaring out of that box into the world so that you, me, and the whole world could know him. Passionate! I've been waiting for this day! It's done! It's finished! I'm here! You see, it. I see the same passion. Sorry, this thing is... Um, it's responding to my passion, Andrew says. You see, in essence what's happening is that that Peter's speaking, and you know, it's like the minute those people are grasping the truth of Jesus, it's like Spirit says, done, enough, I'm there. He's been waiting. He's been brooding. He's been like, please, I want these people in my kingdom. And in that moment, he descends on them in power. He, he overshadows the prejudice of all the people there. He just blasts through it. And he comes and he rests. On the crowd. These are my people too, he says. He declares to the entire world. These Gentiles that you Jewish people have rejected for generations. These too are my people. And aren't you happy? Because you know we're all Gentiles here. Just in case you didn't know that. This, this, This was when God said, I choose you. But you see, those people had been separated from the knowledge of Christ. They'd been separated from the power of God. And in that moment, imagine, I mean, it's like the power of God falls on you. You open your mouth and tongues comes out. I mean, you're freaking out. It's like, what is this thing? This is, this is the, these are the stories I've heard about the Jewish nation. Suddenly it's happening to us. And you see, a people who were far from the power of God are suddenly birthed into the power of God. As God lifted the veil of ignorance from Cornelius, as he lifted the veil of prejudice for pe- on Peter, he's lifting the veil of powerlessness on the people who've been excluded. And in one moment, he's pouring out the power of his presence on a people who have not known that. And now I've got another really fantastic thing to say to you. He's doing the same for you. Do you know that, that every single one of us lives with less power than we need to? That every one of us feels powerless from time to time. Have you ever felt powerless? Have you ever felt like your hands were tied, there was nothing you could do? Have you ever felt like that? Well, God wants to reach into your world right now and lift that veil and say, that's not true. I am here. I wish he would interrupt me now. Lord Jesus, this is the right time. And come, come upon us, Lord God, in power. Lord God, separate us from our sense of powerlessness. Lord God, when we see pain and anguish in front of us, let us not say, what can we do? Let us just reach into that moment and say, the power of God is here to change this. (laughs) Lord God, when we look at our nation, when we look at our nation, please, Father God, lift the veil of powerlessness. Lord God, would you speak to our souls? Would you empower us? Would you let us know that our prayers change the world? You see, God is coming to lift the veil of powerlessness over all of us. God breaks through the veil of our ignorance, prejudice, and powerlessness in order to move history forward through us. At this moment, the Gentiles received the gospel. And my friends, it never looked back. From that moment onwards, those people went into their towns, into their villages, into their homes, into their... Um, marketplaces, and they told people what God had done for them. And that truth spread like wildfire through an empire to the point where the emperor of that nation bowed his knee to Jesus Christ. 300 years later, these seeds came to bear fruit. You see, we're not powerless. We don't have to be ignorant. We don't have to be prejudiced we can stand before God and say, invade us, Lord, because when you invade us, the world changes. When you come to us, the world changes. Amen. It's an invasion. Heaven's breaking in and you get to be a part of it. It's an invasion. Heaven's breaking in and you yet to be a part of it. Amen, amen, amen. Please can we stand? Who wants God to break into your world? Me too, me too. I want God to break into my world. And you know what? I'm going to pray this prayer forever. Because even if he breaks in today, I want him to break in tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after that. I want to never stay the same. I want him to be moving me from one place of glory to another place of glory forever. Forever. So Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and break into our worlds? Would you come and break into our worlds? Lord God, just as we saw you breaking through in through angelic visitations, dreams, visions, the still small voice, the audible voice, Lord God, we we put this myriad of options before ourselves and we say, Lord, pick one, just come and do it, or pick them all, Lord, just come and do it, Lord God. Father God, we give you permission to come to us, Lord, come to us. Father God, the the thing about ignorance is you don't know what you need to know. So, Father God, we don't even know what to ask for. Holy Spirit, would you come and invade and show us what we need to know. Paulius didn't even know what he needed. Holy Spirit, we don't even know what we need. Come and give it to us anyway. Lord God, we don't even know where we have blind spots and prejudice, Lord God. We don't even know because it just seems normal to us. Holy Spirit, would you come and take that away? Would you come and take it away? Would you invade our world? Lord God, and we, we cry out for more power. Lord God, we cry out for more power. Lord God, Lord God, we see the sick, the lame, the destitute, the lost around us, and we say, give us more power. Give us more power. Holy Spirit, come and baptize us again. Come and baptize us again with the power of your presence. Come and baptize us again with the power of your presence. Lord God, I pray that you would ignite the gifts of the Spirit in us, Lord God. I pray you would cause boldness to rise in our hearts, Lord God. Father God, I pray that you would come and lead us. Surprise us. Surprise us. As you answer this prayer for, through us, as you, as you invade the world around us through us, Lord God, surprise us. Surprise us, Lord. Father God, I'm asking that you would not do what you've always done. I pray that you, go, that you would, oh, Father, I take back that prayer. I pray that you would not just do what we've asked. I pray you'd exceed our expectations. Because, Father, we don't even know how to ask. We don't even know how to ask. So, Father, God, I pray you'd come and exceed our expectations. Come and exceed our expectations, Lord. Come and exceed our expectations. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Guys, I know some of you are feeling just the Spirit of God resting upon you. Can you just allow that to happen? Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While you're standing, I've asked Ino to just pray for, pray for salvations as we finish.
0: Hallelujah. As Pastor Kero was praying, this is what the Lord gave, gave me in my heart. The Lord is saying, I am your good friend. I am here to speak to you. As I tore that veil when Jesus was crucified on the cross, I opened my arms to speak to you. I open my arms to forgive and carry that burden that's bothering you right now. So this, in this ministry moment as we, as we are about to pray, I want us to, to remove the veil of unworthiness, the veil that says I'm unforgivable the veil that, that is stopping you to come to Christ. The veil that is disturbing your life to go to Christ, to receive what he has for you today. May we all just um, repeat after me as we pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for our sins. We acknowledge that you died for our lives to be better. We, We acknowledge that you have forgiven us. And we come with our lives to you, Lord God. We lay our lives in your hands. And may you take control of whatever we do in our lives. May you take control of our forgiveness. And may you take control of our worthiness. Amen. Church, if you are praying this prayer for the first time and you feel like you want to give your life to Christ we have an amazing fire squad that does um, uh, amazing things may you just lift your hand up and take this step of courage and come in front and we'll have Pastor Kero here to pray for you and if you need any other prayer after the service the amazing fire squad is gonna be here in front so if you wanna uh, give your life to Christ and do this work with Christ remove the veil of unworthiness of unforgivableness may you just lift your hands thank you Lord Jesus you, Lord. I see those hands may you just take this step of courage and come in front as Pastor Kero is going to pray with you thank you Jesus
1: Thank you. Thank you that you receive her. We receive her. Thank you that you've already made a place for her. Lord, we bless her. Fill her again with your presence. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Otherwise, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We love you. God's with you. Go and live the life that Jesus got for you.